Well, church, please flip now over in your Bibles to 1 Corinthians chapter 1, starting in verse 18, as tonight we will continue to preach through a a passage that we started into last Sunday and we will finish on, on Easter morning. It's a passage of Scripture that is all about the power and the wisdom of God. On Sunday, I asked you to start prayerfully considering whether or not the cross of Christ had been emptied of its power in your life. I asked you to consider how much influence the cross of Christ still has in your life. And I asked you to consider if the transforming power of the cross of Christ was still alive and active in your life. We talked on Sunday about how God's word tells us that the message of the cross of Christ, it will be considered by some to be crazy, and it will be considered by some to be foolish, and it will be considered by some to be offensive, because it is offensive to our morals in that it proclaims that we are all sinners in need of a Savior. And it offends our intellect because on it, God proclaims through it that there is a deeper wisdom at work in the world than the wisdom of man. We talked on Sunday about how the power and the influence of the cross, it could be lessening in our lives when we cling to all the things that we are holding on to that we think are giving us power over one another or power even over God himself. We wrongly think that we can experience the power of God while still clinging on to our own. And I hope and pray that throughout the week and now into tonight, God will help you let go of that sin and self-righteousness that you are holding on to, that you'd be able to lay it at the foot of the cross. So look now with me at 1 Corinthians 1, starting in verse 18, as we consider again the power and the wisdom of God. 1 Corinthians 1.18, For the word of the cross is folly to those who are perishing, But to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. For it is written, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise, and the discernment of the discerning I will thwart. Where is the one who is wise? Where is the scribe? Where is the debater of this age? Has not God made foolish the wisdom of the world? For since in the wisdom of God, the world did not know God through wisdom, it pleased God through the folly of what we preach to save those who believe. For Jews demand signs and Greeks seek wisdom, but we preach Christ crucified, a stumbling block to the Jews and folly to Gentiles, but to those who are called, both Jews and Greeks, Christ, the power of God and the wisdom of God. For the foolishness of God is wiser than men, and the weakness of God is stronger than men. Oh, you see, those who are missing out on the transforming power and wisdom of God, look at how they are described. They are described as those who demand signs and those who are seeking wisdom. Now, this is not talking about seeking the wisdom that comes from God. That's not not what is meant here. But instead, the wisdom of the world, which essentially is to seek knowledge and wisdom apart from God, to seek after knowledge and wisdom, but separate from God. 
Those who are missing out on the transforming power and wisdom of God, they are described as those who demand signs and those who are seeking wisdom apart from God. There are some who demand signs. They want to experience the miraculous. They, they want to be entertained. However, they're not really interested in discovering a power that is greater than theirs or having their eyes opened to a wisdom that is deeper than theirs. Why? Because that would then require them to surrender to the one who has more power and wisdom. But no, there are some people who just want to be entertained They just want to feel good and have a nice spiritual experience. Didn't we hear this read of Herod in Luke 23, which we can put up on the screen, Luke 23, verse 8. When Herod saw Jesus, he was very glad, for he had long desired to see him because he had heard about him, and he was hoping to see some sign done by him. Herod was hoping for a show. He was hoping for a little entertainment, a little bit of being mesmerized, a little bit of the spiritual. He wants to experience supernatural power, but he has no interest in surrendering to this great power. Does that describe you tonight? As we read and think and pray through the events surrounding the death and resurrection of Jesus this weekend, I mean, can you relate most to Herod? Herod, who thought of himself as a king, who wanted to build his own little kingdom. He wanted to experience a little bit of the supernatural power of Jesus, but he had no desire to surrender to that power. He wanted Jesus to supplement his life a little bit, but had no interest in surrendering his life to Christ. Our culture is becoming more and more interested in the supernatural and the spiritual. But when you encounter the great power and the deep wisdom of the one true God, the only right response is surrender surrender. If you want to be transformed by the power and wisdom of God and not destroyed by it, not crushed by it, surrender is the only right response. King Herod has no interest in surrendering to a greater power. He just wants a little entertainment. He just wants a sign. Now, other people demand signs from God as a way to cover up their unbelief of the signs that he has already shown them. We saw this play out in the ministry of Jesus leading up to his crucifixion. He was restoring sight to the blind. He was healing the sick. He was cleansing the lepers. The lame were walking. The dead were being raised. And the religious people around him kept saying, yeah, but Jesus, we want a sign. Give us a sign. It's what some shouted at him while he was on the cross. Save yourself. Give us a sign. Show us now that you are the Christ. But show us in the way we want you to show us. Because in fact, by staying on the cross, he was showing them that he was the Christ. 
But no, the people shouting at him wanted him to show them that he was the Christ on their terms. And maybe that describes you tonight. God, give me a sign that you love me. Give me a sign that you're there. Give me a sign that you're still at work in the world. Give me a sign that you are in control. Give me a sign that your power is greater than anything I've known and your wisdom is deeper than anything I could comprehend. But show it to me in the exact way I want you to show it to me. Now listen, let me clarify here for a second. There is nothing wrong for there's nothing wrong with hungering and thirsting for more of God. That is a good thing. To, I want to know more of him, to enjoy more of him, to experience more of him. Nothing wrong with that. Many of you, you are hungering and thirsting for more of God. Praise God for that. Keep seeking after that. But sometimes we are like the religious leaders in Jesus' day. And we demand miraculous signs from God, not because we really want to know him and enjoy him and experience him more, but we make demands of God because of our unbelief in what he's already done. We demand a sign from God right now because we don't really believe what he did on the cross. And church, what God has revealed to us through his word and through his cross and through his resurrection, that is enough and that is sufficient for our life and salvation. The signs he has already performed are enough for us to glorify him and enjoy him forever. And so do you come in this evening with a heart that has a propensity to make demands of God. For God to show you that he loves you, but in the exact way you want him to show you that he loves you. With an unbelieving heart that's not believing when he actually did show us how he loved us. Church, the message of the cross proclaims to us that we in our sin, we are in no position to make demands of God. We are in no position to just want to experience the power of God with no intention of surrendering to it. But I mean, why can't God, why can't he just make it 100% clear to everyone that he's real and that Jesus is the only way back to him? Why can't he always just perform miracle after miracle so that no one could reasonably doubt or not believe him? Those are questions that I can ask at times. Oh, but church, let us not forget the wisdom of God is deeper than the wisdom of man. It's deeper than any wisdom we've known or could comprehend. And it is the message of the cross that proclaims to us that actually because of our sin, our greatest need is not a sign. That actually, because of our sin, our greatest need is not a sign, but instead a substitute. 
Our greatest need is, is not to go out and seek some secret knowledge or wisdom or some God who is hiding himself from us or to have some higher experience. No, we gather tonight to remember what our greatest need is. For Jews demand signs and Greeks seek wisdom, but we preach Christ crucified. Your greatest need is not a sign, but a suffering substitute. Your greatest need is Christ crucified. The way to know him and enjoy him and experience more of him does not typically come through miraculous signs day in and day out, but instead through suffering. It's the way of the cross. For this is how it pleased God to save us. Look back at verse 21. For since in the wisdom of God, the world did not know God through wisdom, it pleased God through the folly of what we preach to save those who believe. You see, until God can sanctify and transform our desires and what we want, in the meantime, he's going to give us what we need. And while we want miraculous sign after miraculous sign, he knows what we ultimately need. And this is why we preach Christ crucified. This is what we ultimately needed, church. We needed Christ to suffer in our place as our substitute. If you want to experience the transforming power and wisdom of God, this is what must be preached to you. And this is what you must preach to yourself. Now, I have the, the great opportunity to preach to you most Sundays and on an occasional Friday night like this. And some of you will one day preach to congregations, and I encourage you to always keep Christ crucified at the center of what you preach. But every one of you has the opportunity to preach to yourself every day. I mean, I'll, I'll take most Sundays, but you're going to have to take Monday through Saturday, and we'll make a good preaching team. What are you preaching to yourself? Are you preaching Christ crucified? One of my favorite quotes from Martin Lloyd-Jones is when he says, Have you realized that most of your unhappiness in life is due to the fact that you are listening to yourself instead of talking to yourself? I've found that to be true. <laughs> and that, let's substitute proclaiming and preaching in for talking there in that quote because I do think there's something in the way that we are designed and the way that the presence of sin still remains in our heart that the human heart, we need to be proclaimed to. We need to be preached to. We need, we need truth to be proclaimed and sung and preached over us. And so, church, are you listening to yourself more than you are preaching Christ crucified to yourself? 
Oh, if you want to experience the transforming power and wisdom of God, I must proclaim Christ crucified from the pulpit, and you must preach Christ crucified to yourself. For this is the good news of the gospel, that God saves sinners, and that he was pleased to accomplish this salvation through the substitutionary suffering of Christ. For Christ is the second person of the eternal Godhead who took on human flesh, who lived the perfect life of obedience that we in our sin failed to live, who revealed to us who God is and the only way for sinners to come back into his presence, who then took our sin upon himself and went to the cross. And he willingly, for the joy that was set before him, endured the wrath of God poured out on him. For it was wrath that was meant for us. But he suffered as our substitute. He allowed the full justice of God to fall upon him instead of us so that we could now experience God's favor and God's grace. Oh, the deeper wisdom of God. Only he saw how he could perfectly uphold his justice and abundantly pour out his mercy. On the cross, Christ suffered in your place as he took your sin and as he gave you his righteousness. This was the greater power and deeper wisdom of God, which was planned by the Father, carried out by the Son, and is applied to each of us by the Spirit. All by God's grace as we turn from sin and trust in Christ's work alone for our life and salvation. When we look to the cross, we see that our greatest need is, is not what we've been shaking our fists and demanding from God. But in his power and wisdom, he has provided us what we ultimately needed. A suffering substitute that could bring us back to God. Therefore, we must all become proclaimers of Christ crucified. When we face hardships and trials, we might be tempted to start listening to ourselves as we tell ourselves in the hardship, God must be punishing me. God is getting me back for all that I've done. Oh, but church, may you preach Christ crucified and know that for those whose faith is in Christ, he has taken all punishment and all suffering our sin deserved. All wrath has been satisfied upon Christ. Now that Christ has suffered for our sins, suffering is now transformed. Suffering is now used by God in our lives as a tool of sanctification, as a tool of transformation. For God knows that the way to know him and enjoy him and experiencing him more is typically not through miraculous signs, but it is through suffering. It is the way of the cross. 
But know this, dear church. Christ took the only suffering that we really could not endure. Christ took the only suffering that would really undo and unravel us so that now he might strengthen us and transform us through any of these lesser sufferings we might experience. Because of our suffering substitute, in whatever suffering we face, his grace is sufficient and his power will be made perfect in our weakness. We must preach Christ crucified. Preach Christ crucified. When we are tempted to look at our sin and and listen to ourselves as we tell ourselves, well, this is just the way I am. This is just my personality. This is just how I was raised. This is just what I've always struggled with. I'm just a man. I don't know how not to be harsh. I'm just a woman. I don't know how to control my emotions. Oh, church, don't listen to yourself. Talk like a slave. Preach Christ crucified. For on the cross, Christ has redeemed you and rescued you from slavery to sin. Peter, in 1 Peter 1, 18, he says, Oh, that you may know that you were ransomed from the feudal ways inherited from your forefathers, not with perishable things such as silver or gold, but with the precious blood of Christ, like that of a lamb without blemish or spot. You were ransomed, you were were rescued, you were redeemed from your feudal ways. There are some things in you that still need to die. Do not surrender to your sin. Do not surrender to your habitual sinful personality traits. Surrender to Christ. Preach Christ crucified to yourself and see that Christ's precious blood has redeemed you from your sin. We must preach Christ crucified. We must preach Christ crucified. When you are tempted to continually live in guilt or shame from past sin or self-righteousness, or when you are tempted to force your brother or sister to live in continual guilt or shame from past sin or self-righteousness, preach Christ crucified. For Christ suffered as your substitute, so that your sins would be forgiven and cleansed, all by his grace, all by his undeserved favor. There was nothing that we could do to deserve this or earn this. Therefore, preach Christ crucified and be cleansed of your sin and self-righteousness. We must preach Christ crucified. We must preach Christ crucified when we are tempted to feel as if God has abandoned us or left us on our own. Oh, may we preach Christ crucified even then and see that Christ suffered as our substitute in order to bring us back to God. Our sin had distanced and separated us from God, but but God showed his great love for us and that while we were still sinners, Christ suffered and died for us. Oh, church, let us press on to know God 
to enjoy God and to experience more of God. And I do believe that we will experience plenty of signs and wonders in the life of this church as we continue to glorify him and enjoy him. But may you see tonight that he has already given us the only sign we will really ever need. He has shown us his love and his justice, his mercy, his holiness, his grace, his power and his wisdom, and he has put these on display for us so perfectly and gloriously on the cross. 2 Corinthians 5.21 For our sake he made him to be sin who knew no sin so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Come and see your suffering substitute. Come and surrender all to him. He has put his great power and deep wisdom on display on the cross. This is the only way. This is the only truth. This is the only life. Preach Christ crucified. Receive Christ crucified. And may you trust and enjoy every day that Christ was crucified and suffered as a substitute for you. Let's pray.